Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade, the podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Jamusemeche. At She Brigade, we aim to empower by aspiring to storytelling. On this show, we chat to different phenomenal women around South Africa, and we dive into their stories and journeys that have led them to where they are today. Let's dive in. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Before we begin, I must mention this because like, <laughs> I can't believe this happened. <laughs> Literally, guys, um, we recorded this segment, we recorded this episode, and it disappeared. <laughs> it disappeared, and it was the funniest thing, because 20, 20 episodes later, this has never happened, but like, it actually happened, and we were talking about this before we even recorded. <laughs> Remember, we were talking about it before we I recorded do. last time, yeah. it was like, oh, I had the fear that... It, what, imagine yeah. if the episode disappears and yeah. it happened. Murphy's so, Law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're re-recording this. Oh my gosh, yeah. Fun times. <laughs> Fun times. Fun times. Okay, so today we have Liz Litualo on the show. Liz is the founder of Masodi Organics, which is an online-based beauty shop that makes and sells 100% natural hair and skin products. Um, she's currently working on Rave, which will launch soon, um, a mobile beauty service that brings hair, makeup, and nail services to clients in the comfort of their homes. Mm-hmm. And she's recently left corporate to pursue her business ventures full-time. Yeah. Liz has a background in industrial engineering. Um, and yeah, I read that you aspire to run for public office in the future. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So you're going to be like our next president. I, I would love to be the yes, next president. Yes, I would yeah. love you to be. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pillow. Again. Again. <laughs> welcome to round two of the show. Yeah, round two. Yeah. But yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming. Thanks so much for re-recording. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it was a no-brainer when you when you asked. I was like, you know what? I'm an entrepreneur. I know these things happen. Um, I'm yeah. very forgiving from that regard because I saw that you put everything in the first recording. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. Let's do it again. And it was fun. So it's okay. We can do it again. Yeah. And then the, now that you mentioned it, you know, like, it's funny because, you know, I live with my sister who's an entrepreneur. Yeah. And the weirdest things will go wrong yeah. for her. Like, the things you never really think of. Like, yeah. they'll go wrong. And yeah. now that you mentioned, like, literally... No, you need to be forgiving as a person. Tomorrow it could be you, you know? <laughs> but also there's a difference between, like, something just going completely wrong and incompetence. And you can see, yes, like... You yes. can see when these things happen that, you know what? Life happens, it's okay. Let's do it again. Let's have <laughs> fun again. And let's move on. Okay, so... Yeah, let's start from the beginning again. <laughs> um, let's start from the beginning and take us through um, your childhood, who you were growing up, and yeah. what has led to you being who you are now. Yeah. So I, each time I have to speak about myself, it's, it's very natural, almost organic for me to start from home, right? Mm. Um, I'm from a small village called Long Valley Village in Zanin. Um, it's in Limpopo. And I've, I'm from a fairly large family. So five other siblings, um, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest um, in the house. Um, absolutely loving family, loving parents. I had what one would call a perfect childhood. And perfect, not that we were absolutely well off. Mm. But I never had to worry about, do I, where's my next meal going to come from? from although you know you knew that it that meal is most likely going to be chicken feet or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something something yeah. not so glamorous um, but, I but think it was probably glamorous at the time right didn't you like look forward to it no I did not no <laughs> <laughs> I looked forward to chicken and I look forward to beef and meat and stuff but you know what you eat something so much and ultimately yeah, yeah. like you know okay mom we, we, gotta, we gotta change something around this house but you know I think because there was just so much love in the house it, it really like compensated for everything else mm. that I felt we did not have and I don't want to like 
dwell a lot on what we didn't have because it really I, I never felt like I was a child who was growing up in, a, in an impoverished household mm. it was so full of love and we had all the needs that were required to move us from where we were to where we are today and that for me felt like enough you know um, we went to school we had school shoes we had uniform and that for me was was all I, I felt I needed as a child of course it would have been nice to have like the coolest toys yeah. each time a new toy came out in the block it wasn't always the case but every once in a while you'd get a toy and, mm. and that for me was just one of those sweet moments where you're like oh I've got a toy um, but yeah it's 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 always amazing to to reflect on on, on my childhood because I'm like damn I, I actually would do it exactly the same way of course there's some exceptions because yes. some experiences at school and stuff it, it, it wasn't always easy like I had I had a chore so one of the uh, primary schools that I went to, I went to two primary school. One of the primary schools I went to was just so domesticated. You literally were just there to do chores in the morning, in the really? afternoon. Absolutely. At school? I, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I hated it. We swept the yard. We cleaned our own pots. We literally, we did everything ourselves. Um, and one could say, you know, they're instilling a sense of discipline and all of that in you. But... I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated chore time at school, um, but it was still an amazing time. Yeah. The learning experience, the friendships you made, and, and, and everything else was good. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about when you were going to go to varsity, how you picked what you were going to study, oh. and yeah. That. <laughs> I, think, I think my story may not be unique. Um, so I went to an agricultural school called um, Harry Oppenheimer in Nimpopo. It was a boarding school, so I've been in boarding school since I was around 11. And um, one of the things I realized was that we had like lots of interest from the University of Pretoria. Um, I don't know why. Um, so they usually would come to market their sort of like sciences, predominantly engineering um, um, courses and a few agricultural courses mm. because we're an agricultural school. So because that was constantly sort of like put in your face and like glamorized in front of you, you you then started recognizing that as the it and the success. Yeah. So ultimately then I decided I was going to do engineering, which one I wasn't really sure. Um, you had a couple of guys from different mining companies also come and market themselves. Then I was like, mm, these guys seems like they're making quite some money. And I was about just being financially successful because even at a young age, I realized that money actually can buy freedom to a certain extent. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I was like, you know what? You know, I, I was a smart kid. I did well in myths and sciences. I enjoyed them. I was like, you know what? This is the thing for me. Then I went for it. Um, in my first university, I did what you call the extended program. Um, simply because it, I, I had a bursary for it. So I was like, you know what? Um, I don't really know which engineering I wanted to do. Um, this is a company that's going to expose me to different people in the, mm. in, 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 in the engineering field. Let me take this extended program. Let me enjoy myself with this bursary and, um, you know, let's decide next year. And I think that was the best decisions I had made because then I moved from wanting to do mining engineering, chemical engineering to actually finding out that there's this, this thing called industrial engineering and it was almost like oh, they used to tease us and say it's the lost engineers because you do a bit of finance, you do law here and there, yeah. you do modeling. So you did a bit of everything and I thought if I'm to do engineering, this would be the one I would want to do. And mm. after the extended program year, then I was very certain the next year that that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then I you went to tax. Yes, I did. Yes, so you I went did. to tax and then you studied industrial engineering. Yeah. And then you started working. Yes. <laughs> then you, yeah, then you graduated and started working. So tell us a bit about oh, that now. <laughs> what a time. So work was shocking for me. I mean, 
Um, the first it's a very uh, interesting word to oh, use. Shocking. <laughs> it was shocking, really. Um, so I, I, my first job was in supply chain with a with a um, consumer goods company. It was a multinational. So I had to relocate from here to Durban. And then one of the things that shocked me there was just like, you know, the culture of work. I don't think when you haven't worked before, you know what you do with mm. yourself during work hours. I mean, I'm here from eight till five kind of thing. And as a student, you were agile and you move from one lecture hall to the next yeah. and you went to, you know, sit mm, with a friend. Okay, yeah. So having to go genuine. there and see that huge building, firstly, I just remember thinking to myself, this buildings look so beautiful. Everything looks so in place and perfect. What value do I bring? Like, what can I possibly do to solve problems in this place? This is bigger than me. Yeah. Um, and secondly, was just like, okay, so how do we work? Do I sit and type? What do I? What do I type? Because remember, the first week you don't really have. You have work. no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You don't really have work. It's like a bit of admin, and people are trying to put things together, <laughs> and like you know, say, what is she going to do? What can we give her? And I, it was just so awkward. And I think. Um, over time, of course, people take you under their wing, they support you, they, 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 they challenge you and you start understanding how work works. And one of the things I discovered, I discovered at the time was that I hated sitting in one place all the time. It drove me nuts. So what I would do, we had what we call the agile center, which is where people would go to sit if they wanted to just, you know, break away from the desk a, mm, a couple of times mm. or if they wanted to like have a chat with someone or whatever reason they might have. So I ended up actually using the Agile Center a lot as my standard working place. And I remember my manager at the time actually had to sit me down and say, Liz, I understand you like, you know, working <laughs> from the Agile Center, but you're going to have issues integrating with the team. So I suggest that you, yes, use the Agile Center and you move around, but try to sometimes be around your desk, mm. which was absolutely understandable because I, one, am a bit of an introvert. Um, I just prefer like sitting by myself and doing my thing. If we're going to do problem solving or if we're going to do like some teamwork, I don't mind that I enjoy it. But I want to do that. And when we're done um, and everyone is doing their own thing, can I just then move around? Uh, you know. Um, but that's, that's <laughs> good that you had the opportunity to learn that about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was good. But it, one of the things that had to take me out of my comfort zone was the fact that I understood that I had to go sit in my desk sometime mm. more than I would have, more than I would prefer to. Because it's important to integrate with the team and it's important to, to let other people get to know you. You know, the chats in between work mm. as people are working, those were important, but it was just painful nonetheless <laughs> because it wasn't my desired way of working. So I think that's one of the things I learned, like just how to work, how to write that email to, you know, the old man who is 30 years, 40 years older than you and, and, and see them as an equal and as a colleague, um, how to have difficult conversations and how to, how to look at yourself as, some, as someone who can bring value to this massive institution that you've always looked up to or mm. wanted to be a part of and not see yourself as this tiny little person who has absolutely no value to learn. It, 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 it's been a very fantastic journey, um, my first job. Uh, but towards the end of it, I was absolutely frustrated because a part of it felt just unnatural to me. It was like, this doesn't feel like, this doesn't feel like what I want to do for the mm. rest of my life. It doesn't, and not that it was a bad environment, it was an absolutely fantastic environment. But you know when just something just doesn't click? You're like, mm-mm, this, this, this can't be all I'm doing. Um, then I got really frustrated and then I wanted to also come back to Johannesburg because I felt that what what I had to take out of Durban was 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 done um, and then I moved back I took a, a role in consulting um, which was fantastic but again 
the second job that I got from, from, um, from consulting and that experience actually taught me that the frustration I had experienced in, in company one was more of a multinational sort of like fr frustration. Um, I did not enjoy the experience of working for multinationals. Then I moved on to the third one, the third uh, multinational company, still in consulting, and that really affirmed it. Mm. I did not like working in multi massive multinational companies. I, in fact, I, I can be brave enough to say I hated it. Sure. I hated working in what many people would call corporate. I mean, I hated it for different reasons. You know, some of it are like people-related issues. I don't like dishonesty, and I don't like not speaking honestly. So if you can, if you can, if if you don't like something, say I don't like it. There's lots of dis diplomacy. And you know, you know those memes on emails. If you want to say, if you, yeah. you say, you know, <laughs> noted. <laughs> if you want to say you are annoying, I've told you this before. You say, as per initial email. <laughs> that kind of yeah. stuff really yeah. doesn't yeah. doesn't work with me. I don't. I don't. It, it just like I don't know. I don't prefer that kind of style. I prefer people being kind to each other, but still being honest in kindness. Um, I didn't always feel that you could have that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like corp corporate is a weird place, right? Because yeah. You j there's an expectation to be so formal, like you're saying. Yeah. But what's the real reason? Exactly. I, I want to tell you, I had an experience very recently where I walked into a meeting room, right? And it was with the heads of certain departments. Yeah. It, was, it was the four of them, and they report to the COO. Uh -huh. So the COO walks in. But I, I know him. I've been in meetings with him before. So he walks in, and, and, and I said, hey. Yeah. I literally said it like that. I said, yeah. hey. And all the other, all the other four heads were, looked at me like, pillow. Whoa! Like why? Like this? You know? Why you like, saying hey? And, and and he laughed. He's like, "What's the big deal?" And I was and I was also like, "Wait, <laughs> like, was I supposed to say hello, sir?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What's, I, like bend the knee in the process as well. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. I, so I totally understand what you mean about. Yeah. it's not. It's not it's, it's not, not. it's not honest, and I mean authentic. Yeah, there is that authentic. kind of this the kind of bending a knee and saying hello, sir, that comes from an authentic place that yes. says I recognize you as my elder, and yeah. I, out of my own will, see the need to do this. Yeah. But sometimes you look at like the kind of conversations and the kind of dynamics you find in corporate, and you're like, this respect that I am seeing being demonstrated is actually not authentic it's respect. Not authentic. It is a formality that just has to be done, exactly. and I, it, most of that stuff didn't resonate with mm. me. Um, and I think also you have lots of trust issues. Here's the thing. People in corporate or people in capitalistic systems and entities um, oftentimes are in it for themselves. And this is the crazy yeah. thing that no one will say in an interview. Why do you want this job? Because I got to make some money and pay for bills. <laughs> um, because that is the truth. They will say everything. Yeah. Oh, I'm passionate about this. and that. You know, um, people are in it for themselves and it's okay. So in the process of self-preservation and um, self-advancement, People do not mind sacrificing other people. And that is one thing that I fundamentally sure. had a problem with. It's okay to want to preserve yourself. It's okay to want to be successful. It's okay to want to, you know, be the star. Absolutely fine. By all means, go ahead and prosper. We want that for you. But one of the things I've seen in corporate is people do all those things and oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes sacrifice deliberately other people in the process in mm. order for them to get ahead. Mm. I thought to myself, um, this is one of those places where in order for me to thrive, I might have to do the same. I don't know if I would be able to sleep at yeah. night with that kind of thing, you know. Um, other people um, have the intelligence, um, you know, to be able to maneuver those spaces without having to betray other people. 
I don't know whether I, I had that maturity or intelligence yet to be able to say I can maneuver the space without having to do some sneaky things. Yeah, at the expense of you someone. Know, at the yeah. expense of people. And I'm not, I'm not in any way suggesting that everyone who gets ahead is, um, you know, sacrificing other people. Other people have that skill to be able to just swim and to be able to succeed to without sacrificing yeah, other yeah. people. But um, I have seen some really messy situations where people are just out there throwing other people under the bus just so that they can ride on the bus and yeah. leave others behind. And that just felt very unkind, very unnatural to me. And I, and I thought to myself, if this is what success means, I do not want it. Mm. I did not want that kind of success, yeah. So that was essentially my experience in, 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 in corporate. Really, really kind people, really caring people. Actually, some of the people I would want to carry forward for the rest of my life with me. But some people, I'm like, if I, if I saw you, I don't know if I'd greet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope fair. I get to a place where I can say I'm okay greeting you saying hello, yeah. but I don't want to lie and, 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 and act like I'm the bigger person. If I saw there's some, <laughs> probably two, three, two, three people, not many, but two, three people <laughs> where I'm like, if I saw you mm -mm. in the mall, I would look at you and just walk past. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. I think a lot of my listeners are in corporate. Yeah. I, we can relate. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, it's, like what you're saying, it's... <laughs> It's it is very prevalent in court, but you're right. Yeah. Like that literally is how it is. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, but I think the most beautiful thing is, honestly speaking, um, coming out of corporate and you know running my own business, I am not convinced that I would be able to run my business and have built my business the way that I have if I did not have corporate experience. Um, I I will never lie about that kind of benefit that mm. I got in. And I will never, uh, you know, underplay the impact that corporate has had on my life and my learnings and my just my ability to navigate certain spaces and to be able to sit with, you know, chairmen of certain companies and CEOs of certain companies, you know, try to raise money and feel confident yeah. and feel like I belong in this room. I can sit and talk to this um, person, just he or she and I convince them to buy into my business and that kind of thing. I think that's one of those things that I believe um, you know, I really got a lot of benefit from my corporate experience um, with regards to. So I would never like just, um, you know, blind it off, <laughs> blindly say it was bad. It was really good, but it was, it was, it was like it's almost like the, the lessons that you had to really learn, and it, mm. it wasn't an easy journey. And I guess it's sometimes you just have to do things that you you don't necessarily either want to do or things that are really tough, but that really make you a better person. Yeah, yeah. I was at an event and Matebe, one of the a woman I've had on the show before, she said, and I, and I, I think about it a lot now yeah, when yeah. I go to work. She says, corporate takes so much out of you. You need to get something out of it too. Oh, and yes. look, you can sit there and like moan about it or yeah. whatever, but there's actually a lot that you, that you can take out of it. So exactly. use it while you can. Exactly. And I think, and I, yeah, and I think do not, do not be bitter mm. about corporate. So the one thing that I have learned about myself over the years is that oftentimes, when I haven't extracted my lesson from a place yet, how I know that that's, not, that that's the case is I'm bitter. Mm. If I'm bitter about a situation, I have not grasped my lesson yet. Yes. And when I get to a point where I grasp the lesson, I'm like, ah, that is it. 
then I let go of all the bitterness. I don't think I have any bitterness towards any of my corporate experiences through the three corporate firms I've had. In fact, um, I have very little um, reason to be bitter. It was just a, some of it was tough experience. Yeah. That you know, I I, I think sh some of some of the toughness was unnecessary um, and unkind, but a lot of it was actually really kind. It was mm. more of a like iron sharpening iron kind of situation. Um, and my thing is, if I have to if I have to look back at my corporate experience and and not be able to point at things that I can say I've taken out of, then what a shame because um, I would suspect that I'd be one ungrateful, but also unable to reflect honestly about yeah. an experience and say this is what I've taken so I've taken quite a bit from corporate and um, you know even the fact that you share your journey and say I've been part of company X Y and Z let's not lie sometimes people give you social equity based on where you've been yeah because people make certain assumptions about your or you are about your capabilities and about where you are who you are about what you've studied um, who wanted to employ you and 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 mm. so there's lots of benefits um, benefit there sometimes the benefits are really um, overhyped sometimes they're <laughs> underhyped. Yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> yeah okay so I really like talking about corporate, probably because I'm in it. <laughs> I, no, not the, uh, listen, I don't hate corporate. I enjoy it, but there yeah. is... Actually, I actually enjoy it. Like, I don't think I'm meant to be one of people that's entrepreneurs, but I enjoy talking about it because we, people we don't to. talk about it enough. We need I feel to. like there's so many of us that are in corporate that... Why, like, why can't I? Why, why don't I see more of it? Why don't I hear more about it? Yeah. Type of thing. And it's it's also interesting because you hear a lot about corporates on discussions like what the one you and I are having. But in corporate itself, it's like hush hush. It's, yeah, it's no. like the conversations are happening everywhere else, but in corporate. Mm, and I think true. we need to start being bold enough to have these conversations outside, but also bring them inside of corporate mm. and say when you walk into any multinational everyone is smiling everyone is happy mm. you know and and that's literally what you see maybe we're actually screwing ourselves over by smiling and being so you know by by, by just carrying struggle so gracefully yeah. and, and 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 so well because sometimes there's a world where people actually don't know that you're struggling or mm. that you're suffering or that you're having a horrible experience why because we feel the need to, you know, you know, be poised and put on the be mask graceful, put on the mask, and, and maybe we just need to start crying a bit more and, and screaming a bit more mm. um, when things aren't going as well. Imagine as we how much it would help the people that come after us. There we go. You know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, now let's talk about at what point during this journey yeah. did you think of Masodi Organics, yeah. or yeah. how did Masodi Organics come to light yeah. in the context of where you were in your life at? Yeah. So actually, Masori Organics started from um, good hair. So I, I cannot, uh, it would be selfish and untruthful to talk about Masori Organics without talking about the experience of good hair. So good hair was, a, was an online, it was website based and um, was an online um, service to do your hair I'm at. So mm -hmm. it's a business I started with two of my friends, Sharon Ogwang and um, um, Siwe Yengeni. Um, we all met at our first job in the multinational. One was in supply chain, one was in finance, was, one was in sort of like sales and marketing. Um, and then we'd always been talking about, you know, the traps of capitalism. We were very political in our discussions and we all expressed our frustration at what, how just the space didn't feel like it was it or it was the destination for us. Um, you know, Siwe left um, after exactly one year of being in that company. Sharon left, um, I think, a year or five months of being in that company. I left um, a year and 11 months of being in that company. 
But, um, you know, we continue to do other things. We went to study. She has took on another job that she felt was a bit more fulfilling than mm. where, where she was. And I also took another job, like I mentioned. So I think once that friendship solidified like that and we felt like we were so comfortable in, 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 in our thoughts and how coherent they were, then we said, guys, um, we need to ultimately stop moaning and we need to do something about mm -hmm. it. And then we said, okay, so how do we do it? And I just remember one of the conversations we had was, um, you know, the first thing to do is to tie ourselves up financially to this course because then I don't know if anyone likes throwing money away. Let's build a website and let's pay, let's put money down right now and once we do that, then we will feel invested quite emotionally yeah. in, fact, in this thing because none of us want to lose our money. And that's literally what we did. And I mean, we, 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 we had a good time running on that business. And then unfortunately, it didn't it didn't succeed um, for different reasons. Um, and then after that, um, you know, I was still on my entrepreneurial sort of like high. I was like, it's got to work. I know it can work. And what I thought at the time was that actually one of the ways I, I think I want to do this is let me start with products. Why? Because products, I, I thought, an easier brand to build. But it was also like part of a strategy to say I can use the product. Um, I can use the second business, which is the hair service business, to push the products into the market. So, but also it was sort of like the, the pain of mourning a, an, a, a failing yeah. business where I was like, oh man, it was in the hair space, it was in the beauty space. I'm sure I can do something. Mm. Literally, that's how Masodi was born. And I literally moved so fast. I thought of the concept. I started putting products together. I started like testing. I started doing all sorts of things. Started building the website in parallel. So doing lots of work in the background. By the time, like, um, you know, the things were ready when I launched my web, I launched with my website. And you were still working at this exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was still working in consulting. By the time I said, we are live, Masudi is now live, our website was um, online store was um, on. Um, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to be good quality. I wanted to launch, um, you know, with something that would resonate with people. And um, of course, it was something I kept improving over time, right? I cannot say that I launched with something absolutely perfect, mm. um, but I wanted it to be something I would not be ashamed of putting out there in the market. And the reception was a bit shocking. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't think people would really <laughs> like receive, receive it like this. Um, of course, I was hoping people would, but I just didn't expect that kind of like support. Um, and, um, you know, I was still really, really busy and I would travel a lot because of my, because of my job at the time. So I say to my little sister, Sarah, um, listen, um, if you agree to work with me, I'll give you some stake in the company. <laughs> you take care of X, Y, Z. And then she said, okay. So I've been working with Masodi with Sarah for ever since. Masodi has been mm. founded um, ever since. No, I founded it a bit for, for some time, ran it alone. But then I realized this is not sustainable. Then I brought her on board. But she's been on board for quite some time. Is it how, how hard is it to... And I know it's your sister, so maybe yeah. it's easier, but how hard is it to like trust someone yeah. with your brand and your baby yeah. and you, you know? <laughs> I think I think out of my first experience of business, I I got to learn how I am as a team worker you know and 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 i'm not a perfect person there are some things that i could be frustrating with and there are some things that i get frustrated by so i think the first business was a good mirror for me to say look at yourself and look at how you are as someone who mm. works within a team and i try to you know take some learnings out of out of that but i think it's absolutely hard because i am one of those people who 
get really emotionally invested in everything I do. I'm like, oh my goodness, look at that thing. <laughs> so sometimes when yeah. Sarah shifts something and I look at it, I'm like, oh, is that a fingerprint over there? <laughs> you know, so it's, lot, yeah. it, it, it's a learning journey even for me to say, Liz, there are certain things you have to learn how to let go of and not, you know, um, stress yourself about, but also give other people enough room to enjoy the experience of working on this thing mm. because they also self-manifest through it. Um, it's been absolutely hard working with family. Um, why? Because, you know, you care about this person as your, as your sister. So I see her as my sister. And there's times I'm like, Liz, take off the sister cap and, you know, look at her as a colleague. I try to do that from time to time. But when things are tough, I'm like, okay, fine. Because I'm the sister, I understand one, two, three. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I also feel like I'm a bit too harsh because I'm like, I can be harsh with her. She's my little sister. Yeah. You know, I can be we'll, harsh with her and get away with it. Yes, because so, we'll get over it tomorrow. You know, sisters, I have a sister. Exactly. Like, yeah, we, we fight, but we get over it tomorrow. Yeah, so there's sometimes where I feel that there's an opportunity for me to abuse her because I can yes. get away with it because mm. she's my sister. And there's times where I feel that there's an opportunity for her to abuse me because she can get away with it because I'm her sister. Yeah. Uh, but I think over time, the more you work with someone, I realize it's sort of like the, 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 there's a time effect to it. I think we're starting to learn how to work better together over time. So I think the patience we've had with each other, as painful as that was um, <laughs> initially, is really paying off because she's starting to understand how I work and what I prefer. And I'm also starting to understand how she works and what she prefers. So over time, it gets better. And I'm, and I'm hoping that time continues to do its work yeah. um, on us and that we'll just keep getting better and better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and I know you said you didn't, you know, the reception to Masodi shocked yeah. you but how has it grown so yeah. far since the start yeah it's 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 grown actually really well i mean um we are a year three four months now old sure. and i think for for, for 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 the amount of time we've been in operation for i think we've really achieved quite a few things and i say this because for the first year i was literally having a full-time job and um you know sarah also is a full-time student so these are two people who didn't dedicate 100% of their active time to Masodi Organics, but but we still make it work, you know. If you've been following the journey, you would have known that we've changed our logo um, um, twice. Um, we've changed our labels multiple times. Yeah, now so we've you got put like the barcodes, and we've got like our story. Yeah. On. It's like every small thing for me is huge because we're moving closer to the ideal version um, of Masodi. And, you know, um, our online store has changed the feel and the look and, you know, the, the, the product pictures and everything has changed. Um, even outside of, like, um, the things that you see from a product and service perspective, there's a lot of things we're doing behind the scenes, launching new products. We've launched um, four new products just lately. Um, you know, we, we are improving our formulation and we continue doing the test on mm. the products to make sure that our product keeps getting better and better. We're engaging different people, um, you know, to try and secure funding, but also to try and secure any additional business support that we can get um, from a sales and marketing perspective, from an access to market perspective, um, you know, from an, um, um, a capacity um, 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 perspective um, on the manufacturing side of things. So I think over the year that we've been operating in, we've really grown in a way that I wouldn't have imagined. Um, and I hope that our growth becomes or follows the exponential trajectory that I hope yeah. it does where it's almost like slowly organic so that we can be able to absorb that growth and um, you know we wouldn't be overwhelmed by it and when we're ready to really shoot up that we can do that and at what point did you know that it was time to let go of corporate and not dedicate a hundred percent of your yeah. time to this 
up until the last day I quit, I was still having questions in my head. <laughs> there was never a time I was like, it is this time. Is it. <laughs> and then there's a thunder in the sky. And like, no, 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 there was never that. The sign. Like <laughs> the sign. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the thing. Signs were there. Multiple signs. But you know when you are, when you are in fear mode, no matter how many signs you get, you will try to like, no, man, I'm sure this is, this can't be it, you know. So <laughs> you find a reason, find I, an excuse. Exactly. I had gotten multiple signs um, and I was just like, no, 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 man, this doesn't, this can't be it. Um, and until the last day that I had to um, resign from my, from my last job, it was just like, I remember just before resigning, I reached out to one of my mentors um, and I said, dude, I have to talk to you. Um, are you available? And because um, I was just in the state where I was like, there is absolutely no way I am going to do this. And um, this guy took about 30 minutes to get back to me to respond to my text. In that space of 30 minutes, I had quit my job. I had already left the office. I was on my way home. So by the time he called, I was in the car home and he calls and I'm laughing. I say, you're too late. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that it happened because I think in that moment, fear was, all, was, was again yeah. taking control and it was saying, Liz, are you sure? Why was I seeking external validation to say this is the right thing or it's not, you know? And, and if I'm to be honest with you, I think I was reaching out to the guy so he could talk me out of resigning because I was scared. I knew in my heart of hearts that I wanted to leave, but I was just scared. How do you leave a job without a job in this tough market, you know? So um, what am I gonna eat? How am I gonna pay my bills? That was a reality in my mind. So I think if those boxes were sort of like ticked, it would have been an easy decision for me to pack up. In fact, I probably wouldn't have taken my second and third jobs. I would have just packed up after uh, my first yeah. job and be like, that's it, thanks folks. But the reality is that, uh, you know, I'm a young person who doesn't come from the most well of families. Um, if I don't provide for myself, no one else is going to provide for, my, for, for me. So um, that fear was legitimate because it was coming from self-protection and self-preservation mode. Um, you know, people still ask me, Liz, why would you do that? What are you going to eat? And sometimes I'm, you know, I haven't gotten to a point where I don't know what I'm going to eat yet. But I mean, I don't have money to sustain me for the rest of my life. So something has to happen for me um, to, 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 to stay alive and to, <laughs> to have a roof above my head. But, uh, you know, once you, once you have done that kind of thing, um, the first month or two were a bit, you know, shaky. I was like, oh my God, I need to find a job now quick. Because I'm also a very financially careful person. I hate debt. I hate, you know, feeling like I, I don't have my finances together. So already, even with a buffer that allowed me to live without concern, I was really thinking, I need to make a plan already. Yeah. And that brought quite some anxiety to me. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't nice. And I remember I literally had to sit um, myself down and say, Liz, if you are going to go through this journey, enjoy it. Worrying is not going to change anything. This is the one time where you get to sit at home, um, work on your passion, and you know, without any other burdens. You don't have to worry about the financial burdens today. When the time comes, or if the time comes for you to worry, then you can start worrying, but not now. Mm. And I think once I, once I got to that stage then, I was like, this is actually how life should be. I should feel like this every day. This is good, it feels really good. Uh, but of course, there's like those moments, like one day where you're of like, of course, yeah. But like predominantly, I am always like, oh my goodness, this is a dream come true, Shit. literally. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I was chatting with my sister actually yeah. about the fact that I'm going to talk to you again, and I was yeah. asking her like, as an entrepreneur, what would you want to know from another entrepreneur? You know, and she and we spoke about this question to say, mm. as an entrepreneur, how how do you know? I don't know if this is going to make sense, but how do you know what's the next move? Yeah. 
So like whether you're going to say go to stores or physical yeah, yeah. yeah stores or yeah. launch a new like you launched yeah. a new product. How yeah. did you know that was the next step? Like how do you know what's the right thing to do next? Yes. Wow, that is a very tough question. Because <laughs> because I, I, I feel like when you have a business, and I mean, I don't, but <laughs> I feel like if you have a business, there's so many things that you could do. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things that you couldn't, maybe there's yeah. so many things that you should do. Yeah. But how do you know what to do when? Like yeah. I think for me, it's mostly three things. The first thing is, it's honestly just passion. Passion guides what you want to do, mm. um, you know. Um, when I when I when I tweet or when I when I engage with my with my customers on Masodi platforms, sometimes people say, "Oh no, Liz, when are you giving us this? When are you giving us that?" So some of the products are mostly from what people what what I pay attention to, uh, to to people saying they need feedback. But yeah, feedback. Mm. But also what I'm passionate about. Because here's the thing: I use my business as a vehicle to express my passion. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, um, as a business, I have my strategy. I have my five-year strategy. I break it down per year. I say, in the next year, I want to achieve this and that. So that for me is is an anchor, is is a guiding, is a guiding tool that I I follow mm. to say if I wake up in any day and I say where is Masuri Organics going in the next year, I need to be able to know what it is that success means for us in the next year. What does success mean to us in the next five years? Mm. So my strategy document is something that, that is alive. It keeps changing over time and it's informed by, you know, new information, new insights and a change of mind and change of heart over time. But I, it's something that I really like follow. I, I look at it and I say, if I can say at the end of the year we have 12 products in our product portfolio, I would have done well. If okay. I can say by the end of the year that we've been able to sell X amount of product, that would be success to me. And then if in order to sell X amount of products, um, where do I need to sell? What do I need to do? Then it starts, you know, informing um, who you, which retailers you need to partner with, yeah. which campaigns you need to run and all of that stuff. So that's really a guiding principle for me. Uh, but lastly, it's mostly like the other stakeholders that we work with. Um, for example, um, we are now part of one of the incubation um, 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 houses, which is really exciting to me. You get lots of support and lots of mentorship from those people. Sometimes mentors can sort of like give you a new insight and they can, you know, tell you something based on their experience or other businesses that they've worked with to say, this is something you might want to consider. And that also informs what we do, right? Mm. To say, they know better. Um, sometimes we'll say, no, this doesn't work for me. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, this is not what my, I want my brand to resonate with i'm not going to do that but talking to different people including friends and family and even customers you get so many uh, suggestions so many ideas that can actually guide what your next step is so literally between my strategy between my what i'm passionate about and the feedback i get in between the stakeholders that we work with i can literally just say okay fine next week we're doing this or mm. next year we're doing that but of course being really anchored in the strategy because if anything does not speak to the ultimate goal then it's wasted effort for me yeah yeah that, that makes so much sense so i'm I'm a business analyst right yeah. and you you kind of a, a part of what you do is kind of like coming up with like what what, what the business should do and yeah. like literally it, so in my terms i'd be like it's the user requirements the people that are using it <laughs> it's, the, it's the technical oh, requirements what yeah. can you do what can't you do exactly it's the vision as well everything has to align to the vision and the strategy of the business yeah, exactly <laughs> there we go then, look at that corporate coming through mm. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> yeah yes. That, yes that makes sense yeah yeah what do the users need but also what is the vision then exactly. you have to find yeah. kind of what is mm. because if you have a vision and 
people don't buy into the vision, then it's a waste of time. Literally. So between yes. the two, you need to say, can I satisfy my customers? But also, does the satisfaction move the business forward? Mm, mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. It's talking about a lot of things. Okay. So tell us a bit about, like, what are your highlights? Like, what, what, <sighs> what have been your highlights in your journey? Doesn't necessarily have to be about Masodi, just yeah. in your journey in general, mm. but also what are some of the lowlights? Because oh I, li I like to talk about the low lights because, you know, I think it's, it's nice to talk about the good stuff, mm -hmm. but it's nice to know that you're not the only going through something when yeah. you're going through the low yeah. parts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So it's, it's very interesting because I always think about my life in like different phases and those phases are informed by my educational or employment levels. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I hate it, to be honest, because it feels <laughs> like, wow, the system really has done its work on you <laughs> because you can't think about your life in any other way yeah. except to say, oh, in primary, this was my highlight in high school. But here's the thing. The system has done its work. That, that, that's <laughs> it. So I think my highlights, if I'm just thinking about a child, as uh, my highlights are just the amazing support I had as a child. You know, I, I had such supportive teachers, supportive family such that I've always believed I was like the best thing. I, I had this confidence. I don't know. It, it was it just like I just remember life always feeling so good and like I was smart and I was happy and I had good friends yeah. and that for me is something as crazy as it sounds, it's something that has stuck with me, um, you know, ever since. It's like I cannot I cannot think about my my life without reflecting back on just how amazing my childhood was. Um the other highlight was when I was in matric and I, one of my dreams was to ace every subject for my matric and I did that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, I dreamed about it and I did it. It was, yeah. it was something that felt like, you know, super smart people did. And I, I don't know, you believe in yourself, but sometimes you're like, mm, <laughs> oh, am I really pushing it? <laughs> so when I did it, it was, it was quite a highlight, um, you know. And in high school, that's when I started really um, realizing my passion for leadership and my passion for being involved in politics, you know, yeah. running for SRC elections and being the deputy president. And when I was at such a young age, I was not even in matric at the time, um, you know, captaining the debate team and all of that stuff. It was it was where my my passions really started coming alive because uh, the platforms were there for me to, to, to bring my passions alive. I, I liked talking, I liked debating, I w like engaging on, on politics and all of that stuff. And that for me was a highlight. So my high school experience was, was really amazing. Um, I think my varsity experience, the highlight was one of the cultural societies that we have, um, or language preservation societies we have founded, not founded, we, we, it was founded by Ivan Smaladule and I believe Fetu Dibela, but um, it was founded by them and then we had the, the, the privilege of running, um, you know, Cheeks and, and, and Helen and the likes. We ran it together. It was called Babedi Bataks. I am hugely passionate about language. In fact, I did Sibedi as my home language at, mm. up until um, matriculation. So English has always been a, a secondary language to me, um, both in, in, in my learning and, and at home. So that for me was such a powerful thing because it's something I'm so passionate about. And again, it enabled me to live out my passion and, and, and advance what I believed was something so necessary to preserve um, our language, our culture in, 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 in an institution of higher learning where oftentimes people would not believe that they would go there and hear Hore, um, you know, we are preserving our culture there because that's where oftentimes we have to feel the need to be, you know, cohesive in terms of the culture we adopt yeah. in English was the uh, medium of instruction and all of that stuff. Mm. My other highlight was when I got my first job. It was like, it was really a job that I wanted to get and getting it for me was 
the what you know was quite a highlight because it gave me the sense of financial security that I've always wanted. I thought that the pay was decent. I mean, in retrospect, <laughs> I don't think the same. The same, but you know, at the time, it, it it paid me fairly well for one tiny girl who had a small apartment in Durban and and lived alone and didn't have any other responsibility. So that was really a highlight. And I and I and I and I, and I look back at that and say I really made amazing friends. I it, it, it you know I moved to a new city that I got to experience. Um, it was just it was just a good time, um, you know, it, especially at the beginning of it. And um, I think my other highlights would be being part of the Global Shapers um, and being part of the Apolitical Academy um, Fellowship. These two institutions have really given me, again, something that I've always, you know, demonstrated over the years, a platform to express my passion. I, 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 I believe that I'm a politician before I'm an entrepreneur. Mm. I am a politician before anything, to be quite honest. So anything that allows the political um, side of me or that allows me to exercise my political passions and my political thoughts, um, you know, really is a dream come true. So being part of the Apolitical Academy um, fellowship was amazing. It was like therapy. It was like a home. It was like a classroom. We had the best um, people come and give us lectures where we needed to be educated. We had the best platforms to engage each other, um, argue with each other, and also just map out our dreams in terms of public service aspirations, which is why, had you spoken to me um, you know, before a political academy, I would have been shy to talk about um, very openly my aspirations for public office. But now I'm not shy to say I would want to be the president of South Africa sometime. And um, it's not something I cringe about or I feel like I have to yeah. downplay or I say to everyone and to anyone, and I'm, I'm quite comfortable with it. And I actually have gotten to a place where it's part of my vision board now. So I believe oh. it and I'm working towards it. Um, so Global Shapers, again, um, a community of really young people who are doing amazing things in their respective lives. You know, some in corporate, some entrepreneurs, some in NGOs, um, some in um, academia. Absolutely amazing people that keep me inspired all the time. Um, but also just like a group of friends. You know, when you're moving around a bit and you, you know, I've lived in Zanin, I've lived in Bulugwani, I've lived in Victoria, I've lived in Durban, now living in Johannesburg. It's, it's not easy to retain strong friendships. Um, especially from a, from a, from a physical um, distance perspective. Mm. So just to have a community to belong to that you touch base with from time to time is something special to me. Um, so that's another highlight. But I think the last thing I probably would mention is the highlight um, is obviously the audacity to be able to start um, or to co-found um, Good Hair. Because Good Hair for me was the first point where I felt um, we have built or I had built the confidence um, you know, to say I can, I can start a business and build a brand and, and it can succeed. As much as it didn't succeed, I think that confidence will always be something I carry with me yeah. um, everywhere I go, which is why it really was not difficult starting my Sodi Organics after Good Hair because I thought to myself, I've done this before. I know how it, it's not really easy, but it is quite easier than I thought it was. Um, I can do this again, definitely. And, you know, naming my Sodi Organics after my mother, who's a very special woman to me, you know, um, it's also quite a highlight, it's it. It excites me from time to time. People start calling me Masodi now. I'm like, oh, well, Masodi is technically my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'm not complaining because yeah. she's, a, she's, a, she's a good woman to be confused with. So I don't mind. Okay. Yeah. And when you talk about lowlights, um, lowlights for me, um, the University of Pretoria was quite a lowlight for me. Mm. The experience of, so my first, the first two years of my university, I stayed in Reds. It was very Afrikaans, um, and we had to do everything in Afrikaans. Um, so you had the initiation process, um, you know, where you had to greet 
the, 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 the committee, the house committee, you had to greet the lions, which were the house mascots. You had a house song, which one could understand from a, from a organizational culture perspective as necessary and fun and, you know, it brings people together. But for those things to be said or articulated in Afrikaans, so when everyone had to, you literally part of the initiative, you had to learn the house song, you had to learn the lion's greetings, you had to learn you know, how to greet um, the house committee and everything, but all of that was learned in Afrikaans. Mm. One, I am effing political. Like when I, wh I, my first thing was, why Afrikaans? English is the most commonly spoken language in South Africa. Um, why not English? Why Afrikaans? So that really bothered me. But two, obviously Afrikaans was not a language I could speak. So what other kids had to learn like very easily, and I'm not saying everybody learned it easily, but for me, because I didn't speak that language, was absolutely difficult to learn. And you can imagine sometimes you are sort of like, um, you know, outed as, oh, you don't know the house song. Mm. Yes, I don't, ma'am, because it's in freaking Afrikaans and I don't mm. know how to speak the language, you know. So I ended up actually deciding for myself very earlier on that I will not be a part of this. And what I then did was to go to the house father and I said, I don't want to participate in these things. Uh, but then there's a there's a there, there's a name they call people who don't want to participate in race culture. I, I don't know what the name is because I didn't give a shit to be honest. Um, I just I know that all these things rag and all of the folding those blomikis and all of that stuff. I just didn't do it because I said this is not what I want to do. It felt really wrong to me. Um, so that was quite a low a, a, low, a, a low light because it's not something I had expected. Remember, the University of Pretoria has always been an institution I wanted to go to. When I was in high school, they came to my school and marketed themselves as the best in the country, marketed their engineering as the best in the country, and my aspiration was to go to this institution. Yeah. To be accepted was like, oh my God, I'm finally going to tax. You know, you have a bursary. Oh my God, someone is going to pay for my tuition and for my raise of tax and my meals. And then to finally go there and experience that was quite heartbreaking and and especially because this was the institution I really really have been wanting to be a part of. I also went to tax but uh, I, I didn't stay in res. You are lucky that was a good decision. I'd never like I never thought of what like I knew so you, we would witness yeah. all the res people doing all the res things you know yeah. dressing such way to school or exactly. you know all those things but yeah. I never thought of what actu what it actually means to yeah. yeah and 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 I don't know whether it meant the same thing for every, for every other person sure, right? yeah, yeah. but then I I've always been that person who was like hmm this doesn't feel good so my personal experience of it was absolutely horrible in fact I called my bursary the bursary um contact person to say get me out of here mm. On my second or third day, I said, get me out of this place. I don't want to live here. Um, they actually came, the company people came and, you know, they said to many of us, what's wrong? But my feeling at the time was that because I was the only one who was so uncomfortable with it, I looked like the um, spoiled brat yeah. or something. So uh, ultimately, I wasn't taken out of race. I just had to deal. Sure. But, you know, education was very important to me. So I was like, Liz, you got to come with a plan B. And my plan B was, you know, pull a couple of stunts, um, you know, fake to be ill so you could go home. You don't have to stay here. So I stayed with my sisters for some time. During that orientation week, I actually didn't spend all of it um, there. Had to go to my sisters because I was like, I'm not well. I don't, mm. don't want to be here. You know, called my mother. She was in Zanin at the time. I said, you have to come get me. Because I was literally, I, I hate oppression with all my heart. Nothing makes my blood boil than feeling oppressed or than looking at someone and recognizing that they feel oppressed. I hated it. So I was not going to be there for it. It was really a low light for me. 
um, you know, and then after two years in race, I was like, um, I had the bursary that I was with at the time was okay with me moving out of race. And I was like, fantastic. Then I moved out of race and all was well again. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> all was well. Another low light was... Um, was in corporate um you know one of one of one of the one of the companies i worked for it was just um a hugely um dishonest a hugely unkind um and a hugely um i'm trying to find the right word um uncaring place mm. you know um when you really feel that Sometimes I remember like after, after one December break, um, I was just thinking, Liz, there has to be another way to do this. <laughs> they ha this cannot be, there has to be another way to do this. You know, and, 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 and you, you get shock after shock after shock to a point where you're like, you know, I, I, I'm not convinced that people are this unkind willingly there must be something that forces them to be unkind, mm. you know, because each time, sometimes you try to take a step back and say, um, how can I empathize with people? Yeah. When you put a lot of pressure on people, um, that pressure is going to trickle down to everyone. And when you, when you make people feel like if they don't do X, then, you know, there's a huge consequence people will try to do X by any means necessary. Mm. By any means necessary means sacrificing other people, means being unkind, means asking uh, unreasonable things out of other people, means people are just plain shitty, for the lack of a better phrase. People are just mean. And you still find like really good people in systems and in, 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 in companies. And you know those are the ones you try to hold on to. But you don't always have the opportunity to to, to, to stick with the people that you know you find that you, you gel well with and that they, they are really kind um, um, to you and and I also feel like even if you had that opportunity it just doesn't feel sustainable to me because if that person dies or if that what, person quits yeah, or something then? then it's like your career is pegged on someone else's career so I, I that was quite a low light to me and a bit of a of a shock because you you hear about all these things um, and you read about them in books, but you never you never think that one day it could be you. Mm. And when you when you recognize like your yourself being a victim of something that people talk about so much, it's like such a shock because I have I have never been a victim of many systemic things. You know what I mean, um, mm -hmm. and and it's uh, I'm privileged from that regard. Like outside of um, my university experience, that was like the big huge shock. Uh, the victimhood was something that I felt like you know the, there was some sense of camaraderie with other people. Like okay, fine, Sisongi, I'm not alone. But for the first time in that kind of experience, the second time after my university experience, it felt very much like I was alone. Yeah, and I was in it alone, and it was actually quite a low light in my life and I would never wish that kind of experience to anyone. Sure. I would not. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, shoot, yeah. L like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we're speaking for this one because the previous <laughs> recording was actually much shorter than this. But anyway, yeah. um, okay, so, yeah, we're at that point now where, like, I always ask my guests, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I always ask my guests. Um, if you could go back and talk to younger Liz, yeah, and 
I mean, younger Liz doesn't have to be maybe when you're in high school or okay. a child necessarily. It's just a younger version of yourself. If you could go back and talk to her, what would you say to her? I would say that start being an entrepreneur early. Um, you know, I remember when I was in varsity, one of the biggest decisions I had to make was, do I go to work for an NGO? Do I take a corporate job? Do I go do my post-grad or do I start a small business? And that was like something that I really, really like thought about a lot. It stressed me. And I think I gave in to the easiest um, um, solution. Um, I, I, it's, 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 I don't have many regrets, but one of my regrets, honestly, is not having started businesses earlier on. Mm. Um, if I could go back, I would literally be bold enough to start something crazy and be comfortable with being crazy. That would be just the advice to say, you know, you've got it in you to keep going. Even when things are tough, you always go. Um, keep going. Um, if it's crazy, it's fine. If it doesn't work out, it's fine. But I would say start your business and start working on your passions very early on. Don't mm. be afraid. I like that because yeah. you know how many times we, we so often think, no, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so often think, and then you, you know, see the crazy. same idea out there, like it being hyped up. And you're like, I thought about it. I could have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love those words. Be yeah. comfortable with being crazy. Like, yeah. like yeah. don't go crazy, but be comfortable with yeah. doing that crazy thing that you exactly. Think of. There's nothing to lose. I mean, as a student, I had nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, now I might have a house with a lot to lose. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I had absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. Be comfortable with being crazy. Exactly. Honestly, go out and do that crazy thing. Yes. Yeah. I would have done that. Sure, okay, um, so how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. How, um, even your, your company, yeah. how can we buy products and everything? Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. So Masuri Organics is based online. So you can buy our products on www.masoriorganic.com. And then we're on Twitter and Facebook at Masodi underscore organics. And then I'm also on Twitter and on um, Instagram at Lizualo, Lizualo with an O-A, which is my surname, underscore Liz, which is L-I-Z. And that's that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for so re-recording. <laughs> Thank it you so fun. much. It was fun again. I was, yeah. I, I, you know, if it, if it goes missing for the third time, I'd probably no, do it no. again. <laughs> no. Universe, Lord, please no. <laughs> like, no it's not going to happen. I was, I was actually like wondering how this is going to go. Cause yeah. You know, we, and we spoke about this before we recorded the mm -hmm. first time. We spoke about how it's really hard to try and re recreate recreate that yeah. magic and that authentic conversation. Yeah. But this yeah. was actually even so much better. It, it was like we haven't had it before. Yeah. Did you ask me different questions? Like, I don't I'm also trying to think like, oh, <laughs> no. Like in, in, I can't. In, yeah, I can't do it. But I think, you know, it's it's. I guess a conversation, a conversation. We're just talking. You just yeah, ask some questions, yeah. and I'm answering. And you know, it's it's fun, but it's also if 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 it's a, it's really your journey, you don't get tired of talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's it's like true. you just want to share. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you so so much, Liz. Thank you so much, Philo. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it with us on Instagram or Twitter at SheBrigade. Don't forget to leave us your feedback by giving us a rating and review on iTunes. See you on the next episode. Bye.